0: Thank you, thank you. Well, how exciting to be here. Uh, I walked in and I didn't know what to expect. And suddenly I thought, I'm in heaven, you know? There's people from every tribe and nation over here. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, sir. I've been not only in Latin America, where I was born, I've been in many other places, and I can tell some of the sisters are from Africa. Uh, You don't have to be a genius to see that. Uh, And then I think I see some from the Caribbean. Uh, They wear special hats in the Caribbean also, you know. And uh, it's really interesting when the Lord—I know I'm on the radio, so i got to watch what I say. Uh, We are on, aren't we? Yeah, hi, everybody. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, we Latins take about 20 minutes just to connect with the audience. That's the way we are, you know. We're a little different, and, uh, and but then when we connect, we're really happy. And uh, I was blessed talking to Brother John and his wife and his grandson Jonathan. Where are you, Jonathan? Come on, no. He said he was going. To, there he is at the back. He's hiding from his teacher because he should be out with the kids, but he's staying. Come on, friend Jonathan. I want to see you. You inspire me. It's a 12-year-old boy. Come on, Jonathan. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I I met him in the back over there, you know. And you know when you travel to many nations, this is not part of the sermon. This is the 20-minute introduction. And. Uh, You notice the difference in worship all over the world, that whenever I make reference, somebody gets hurt, but I hope you look too bright to get hurt, you know? Like when you go to Korea, for instance, in many churches, they're very serious. All all of them wear white shirts like you, and uh, not not blue, that's, you know, not heavenly. And uh, so they all sit very properly in rows, and they lead in prayer very organized, and they uh, in the places I've been, the leader says, now we're going to pray for this, this, and this in Korean, of course. And I don't understand this, so my interpreter tells me. And then everybody prays together, and then they ring a bell, jinga jingle, jingle, and everybody stops. <laughs> now we're going to pray for these three things, you know. And I, when the first time I went, I thought, in Latin America, they'd laugh their heads off at this style. But then the Latins, we have our way too, and the African Americans. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you know, I mean, they can really sing, you know, and they not only sing with their voice, but with their body, you know. Yeah, that's true. I was watching. I was watching. I'm. I may be. I may be old, but I still can see, you know. Uh, uh, when the Anglo's try to copy, it's pathetic. Yeah, it really. Yeah, I. We have a fellow called Kirk Franklin. Have you heard of him? Oh, uh, yeah. He comes and sings in our festivals, you know. And he's a little guy and bounces around like he was a kid, but he's 50 years old already. He forgot that he's old. And, uh, but he, uh, he has a, a, a group of African-American singers and one token white in the whole thing. Have you seen him yet? And she tries to do the, it, it doesn't work. You, you might as well stand stiffly right there and say, I'm white, I'm different. That's it, you know? Yeah. And you know, nowadays, the big cities of America, the minorities are the majority. What a switch, you know? I, when I first came in 1960, to show you, I'm getting old. And, oh, I am old. I'm not getting uh, I thought, I'll never be able to preach in the big cities of America, because I'm a foreigner, I have a name that nobody can pronounce, it sounds like a girl's name, Louise, it's not Louise, I'm a man, okay, it's Luis, like three S's at the end, I mean, there's enough baseball players, this is all introduction, I'm coming to the Bible, don't worry. Uh, uh, Anyway, and uh, it's a joy to be with you, and to meet Pastor John and his wife. And Jonathan, where are you, Jonathan? Did he get, where is he? He's hiding, he's hiding still. Okay, stay back there. But he's a nice boy. He's a, he's 12 years old. That's when I received Jesus Christ, when I was 12. And there was another boy who came to say hello, also 12 years old. So it's good to see all ages, all, all backgrounds, all dress codes and everything, you know. Uh, I noticed your youth pastor is quite, East Coast, you know. On the West Coast now, these young guys wear jeans with holes in them. You know, have you seen that? And they, it looks like they haven't washed them for three weeks. You know, they and their hair is all undone. Yours, at least, you've taught them to comb its hair. Uh, you know, and and it's really uh, it's East Coast. On the West Coast, you look really weird if you wear a tie anymore, which is true because you choke. You know, and uh, but you know, it's been a joy and. Just Twenty-five nations, Pastor John said, are represented here this morning. That is really exciting. I mean, it really, really is. Yeah. I, you know, I'm from the West Coast. My wife is Oregonian. I'm Argentinian, so my original language is Spanish. Anybody who speaks Spanish? Latinos? are yeah. yeah, a few. They're hiding. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Any Portuguese or Brazilian? Uh-huh. They are louder. They are. Yeah, huh? But I, I'm a Seattle Seahawks, I hate to tell you, fan, you know. I didn't realize the Patriots, yeah, boo on yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I had no idea that the Patriots have a chaplain who's a believer. No wonder they win. Yeah. Wins, you know. Yeah. I, I only found it, I thought it was the quarterback, but it's the chaplain that makes a difference. You know, you can get rid of your quarterback. Yeah. Keep the chaplain, though. Keep the chaplain. Anyway, that's very unbiblical, but it is interesting. I didn't start it. The youth pastor started it, you know. Uh, Anyway, from Argentina, but uh, my grandpa was from Scotland, my grandma from France, and my dad from Spain. Spain. So it's a, we call it a Russian salad, a bit of everything in it. And uh, we are so glad that missionaries came to Latin America, brought us the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the fellow who led my dad and my mom, my dad was a young businessman was a fellow by the name of Rogers. He was the vice president of Shell Oil Company for South America. But everybody called him the missionary because he spent his life giving away New Testaments and having Bible studies and so on. And uh, the Lord really blessed my family thanks to them. So thank you for sending missionaries. The young man that's going to Haiti, he and I had some fellowship the day before yesterday. Together getting ready for that conference over in that Distant country of uh, Rhode Island, and uh, we uh, we had a good fellowship. But he's going to be used of God. He loves souls. He works on the streets, and he's an educated fellow. What a pleasure to dedicate him this morning. Let's pray <laughs> <laughs> that God. And you know that the other prayer we were having in Providence this weekend is that thousands and thousands and thousands of people in New England will come to know Jesus Christ personally, like you know Him. It's evident here this morning, you know. We've got to pray that a great awakening come over New England again, you know. We all talk about the first awakening way back in the 1700s. That's great, but hey, this is the 21st century or something like that. You know I mean? We've got to have more people come to know Christ. And I'm glad to be here today. Uh, some years ago uh, people always say Oregon why? They can't even pronounce it right. Uh, Oregon is a very pagan state. I said, No, if you want pagan, go to Maine. I mean, that's where they, they have little churches and the pastors have to have a job on the side. Uh, we want to see thousands come to know Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. And uh, so let's pray together. I join you even though I live on the other side. And before I do a Bible reading and the message that the Lord has given me this morning, I'd like to pray for Pastor John. I didn't ask for his permission. But I want to pray for him, because, uh, yeah, amen. yeah amen, amen, we love you, Pastor John, yeah, his wife gave me permission, so I'm okay, all right, yeah, but I really want to pray for him, when he told me on the phone, I'm lacking in energy, he said, because of my uh, being treated and so on, my wife had cancer when she was 44, and, uh, uh, you know, the, the Bible says, uh, praise the Lord O oh, my soul. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. And my wife is a dedicated believer. And she wanted to be treated by the doctor. But a a surgeon friend of mine from Ecuador said to me years ago, he said, Luis, I do the surgery, but God does the healing. That is great. That is so good. Yeah. That is a perfect balance of what the Bible teaches. huh?" Jesus said, those who are sick need a doctor, but the Lord does the healing. So if you don't mind, I'm sure you don't. Can I lead you in prayer? Brother John, can we pray for you? We love you, brother, for what you've done in this community, for the glory of God. So let's pray. Father, we approach your throne on our knees, so to speak, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the blood that he shed on the cross that so cleanses us from all sin that we can approach your throne directly with humility. Yes, with fear and trembling, but with freedom because you broke the veil, Lord Jesus. And in the spirit, we can enter into Your throne room and lift up our prayers to you. Lord, you brought this brother John and his wife and our children and grandchildren to bless this area of Massachusetts and Rhode Island. And Lord, you've used him, and here's this crowd that worships you from 25 backgrounds. But our brother John, O oh Lord, we pray this morning by your mercy and grace that you would heal him a hundred percent, O Lord. Oh Lord. You said when you were on earth, what do you want me to do for you? Oh, Lord, we would love you to heal our brother 100%. Use the doctors, yes. Use the nurses, use the pharmaceuticals. But, oh, God, you are the healer. Raphael, God, our healer. Oh, Lord, hear our prayer. And when we rejoice for 20 more years of ministry for this brother in this area, For the glory of your name. For the good of the young people. In Jesus' name, O Lord, we commend them to you with great confidence and joy. Amen Amen. and amen. 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 God bless you, brother God. Now, this morning, I'd like to talk to you about something that struck me. I was reading a youth magazine from the United Kingdom. And it was the youth section of a magazine. And um, it started out this way. Becoming a Christian is a staggering event. And I thought only an Englishman would pick that word, you know. If it was a Californian, he'd probably say, Becoming a Christian is a cool event, you know. Uh But this Englishman said, Becoming a Christian is a staggering event. And I thought, he's right. Now, how do we call it staggering and why? And I began to think about a verse from the Bible that I learned as a little boy in Argentina thanks to the missionaries. And I want to read just a brief passage connected with it. The verse is this, and then we'll read just the supporting passage. It says, If anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. The old King James says, All things have passed away, And all things become new. Nowadays they translate it this way. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And when I was a boy in Argentina, the preachers were very dramatic. There was no television in those days, so the only drama were the preachers. And I don't know about you, but in Spanish they used to have a quivering voice, you know. And they quote this verse something like this, if anyone, in Spanish, of course. In Spanish, si alguno está in Cristo, it's una nueva criatura. Las cosas viejas pasaron. Eh? It is a drama, you know. Y todas son so if anyone is in Christ, in Wales they used to call Hoyle, and the Welsh preachers would almost sing the song. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And it sounds funny today. But it caught my attention as a boy, uh-huh. just watching them up there. I'm not going to do it to you today. But uh, all things have passed away and all things become new. Let's read the passage around it. Very brief. This is the Word of God. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 to the end. Just five or six verses. This is what it says. Though we once regarded Christ in a worldly point of view... We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God. That's why it's an awesome event, a staggering event, because it's from God. (laughs) All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself. uh And not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us, all of us. That was good to commit this young man and his team going with him. Commit him the ministry of reconciliation. We are to announce reconciliation as believers. First of all with God. And secondly with each other. And we can be sources of peace in a community, though sometimes we rub people the wrong way. But we are the source of peace. And then he says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God was making his appeal through us, we implore you. And at the end of my message, I'm going to give you a little invitation for you to come to Christ. We implore you, says the Apostle Paul, in Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then he finishes with the crucifixion of our Lord. What beautiful worship we had this morning, huh? That was very Christ-centered. It says, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us. So that in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. The cross brings us to God. Now, so the first question I had was, I received the Lord Jesus Christ just like Jonathan. Jonathan. When I was 12 years old, another missionary sat me down at a summer camp and led me to Jesus Christ. And as a boy, I knew right away I am now a believer. I'm a child of God. My sins are forgiven. I have eternal life. And when I die, I'm going straight to heaven. That's what he taught me. And that's what the Bible teaches. But through the years, when I heard these preachers talking about if anyone is in Christ... I would sit there because they sat me on the front row, so I'd behave. And uh, I listened, therefore. And I used to think, what is it that's old that is gone and new that has come? The face doesn't change. The hairdo doesn't change. The clothing sometimes changes. But uh, what else changes? And I made a list to myself. And I want you to think about it. Because, you know, when you are converted, a big change takes place. Sometimes you don't even realize it. I was a 12-year-old boy, a nice little boy. Not so nice, but somewhat nice, you know. And uh, I hadn't—I didn't have a mother-in-law to be angry at, you know. Uh, so I was a nice boy. But uh, some people who come to Christ in their middle age, uh, they, the change is very visible very quickly. Have you ever heard of Stephen Baldwin? Uh, you've heard of his brother Alec? Uh-huh. Yeah, Alec is well known. Stephen is sort of a... He's a friend of mine, so I can say he's a third rate. Alec is a big diamond. And uh, they're from Maine, by the way. He was married to a Brazilian, a loud Brazilian. The Brazilians are loud. Uh And uh, they had a maid from Brazil taking care of the children and being a nanny. And the maid came from Brazil, tall, good-looking. And she would sing all day taking care of the babies, cleaning house in Portuguese. So Stephen couldn't figure out what he was He was singing about Jesus Christ. When Stephen found out because his wife is Brazilian, he said, tell her to tone it down. I don't want to hear about Jesus all the time, even in Portuguese. So the wife went to the maid and said, you know, the boss says, you better tone down the singing. And being Brazilian says, ah, she said, you think I came here to take care of your babies? Well, yes, that's what we pay you for. Yes, I did. But when I left Brazil, the elders of my church laid hands on me and said, you're going to America to take care of a famous person. They're going to be converted, and God is going to use them in a big way. And Stephen went, oh, no, it's me. You know? Uh-huh. And uh, so uh, he thinks he's famous. And, uh, and his wife Soon became a believer. And she prayed and prayed. Brazilians, when they get into something, they really get into it. Soccer, they get into it. (laughs) Christianity, they get into it. She would pray for an hour on her face in the bedroom. And Stephen, at first, he told this publicly, so I'm not telling secrets. He said, good, i got a Christian wife now. But after a few months, she began to get antsy. And then the Twin Towers came. And he was watching the TV, and he'd heard about the second coming, and he said, oh no, Jesus has come back and I'm left behind. You know? And so, he repented, he received Christ and his life really changed from being a typical actor apparently they do stuff that you're not supposed to do. You know, he belonged to a key club in Atlanta. It doesn't sound good for some reason. You know, he's a married man with two children. His life revolutionized. His brother Alec went to his baptism and he was astonished at the change in his brother. He used to say he was the biggest drug addict in New York City. And now his brother is a saint, so to speak. Uh Yeah. What a change in his life. So. Us boys, when we were converted, and you who were converted as girls, it wasn't so visible. But the change is real, and later in life you begin to get the picture, what happened the day you opened your heart to Jesus Christ. And at the end of my message, I want to give you a chance. If you've never opened your heart to Christ, I hope you'll come running and surrender to Him. But I wrote down, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has gone. What's gone? I made a list, and i would see what you think of it. The first one is, once I was lost, now I am found. Once I was blind, now I can see. Once I was dead, now I'm alive. Once I was a slave, now I am free. Is that staggering or what? Think of it. Dead and alive. Slave and free. Dead. Uh, What's the other one? Um, Yeah. Whatever. Lost and found. I mean, that is staggering. I mean, that is staggering. But there's more. Hey, I got a list. A buddy of mine who's a Bible teacher said there's 52 things that happen when you receive Christ. I won't give you 52. I'll just give you 25. And once I was empty, now I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. Once I was in darkness, now I'm in the light. Once I lived in two dimensions, body and soul. Now I live in three dimensions, body, soul, and spirit. Yeah, that's a complete person. Once I was in the kingdom of Satan, now I'm in the kingdom of God. Once I was guilty, now I'm forgiven. Once I was in a slimy pit, now my feet are on the rock. Is that staggering or what? It is. And you know, it's all true. This isn't hot air. This isn't just a preacher, blah, blah, blah. This actually is in the Bible. And many of us in this room, from watching you and your worship, you've already experienced this. And you know that it's not only in God's book, the Bible, but you've experienced it for yourself. Because it is staggering. When you think about it, when you open your heart to Christ, supposing you're here this morning with a searching heart and an honest spirit, and and you meet the Son of God, is that going to change you or what? Obviously, you're going to leave this place dancing on one foot, even if you're 75. You know, because you're going to say, I've met God for myself. I've got eternal life, but there's more. Once I was condemned, now I'm exonerated. Once I was a loser at the game of life, now I'm a winner because of the Holy Spirit. Once I was hopeless, now I'm filled with expectation. Once I was on my way to hell, now I'm on my way to heaven. You know, that is staggering. And all of you who know Christ, you know that this is exactly the truth. That's why it says, if anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. That's reality. It isn't just da-da-da, it's real. And if you haven't had that experience, I hope that at the end of this little message, you'll come to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I haven't experienced this. I'm 35 and I still haven't had that experience. But you could because Christ came into the world to seek and to save those who were lost. And he makes us new people. So then there's more, just a few more. Once I was under the curse of God's law. Now I've been rescued from the curse. Because the Bible says Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous in place of the unrighteous to bring us to God. And Christ rescued us from the curse of the law. Galatians chapter 3. Being made a curse for us on the cross. Because it's written, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. Christ hung on the tree. I wouldn't have said it if it wasn't in the Bible. To be cursed in my place and in your place. So when he was on the cross, you remember, it became dark at noon. And the two thieves were mocking him on the right and left. And the priests walking by of their religion, mocking him, spitting at him, insulting him. And he didn't say a word. Because like a lamb is led to the slaughter. So he went to the cross without saying a word. Because he was going there for you and for me. And so you say, once I was rebellious, now I've submitted to Christ. Once I was on my own, I love this one, now God answers my prayers. Once I was dirty, now I love holiness and purity. Once I was a beggar, now I'm a child of the king. Once I was a loner, now I'm baptized into the church of Jesus Christ. Once I was an enemy of God. Now I'm a friend of Jesus Christ. Once I thought a lot about dying. Now I'm waiting for the second coming. And once I was a selfish wretch. And now I live to help other people into the kingdom of God. Is that staggering, ladies and gentlemen? It is staggering. It really is. And that's why it says over here that if anyone is in Christ... You are a new creation. So the good thing first of all is that it says. If anyone is in Christ. Anyone in the Greek. You know what it means? Anyone. anyone. Yeah that's what it means. Yeah. People often say in the Greek blah blah blah. In the Greek it says the same as in English. Anyone is in Christ. You can be a new person. And if you are caught in the slavery of drunkenness, or drugs, or pornography, or whatever your little way is. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And and this one's the key, each one to his own way. We all have our little sneaky ways that only God and us knows. Not even our mother-in-law knows it, you know? She thinks she does, but she doesn't, yeah? God knows. We all have our sneaky little ways. We have gone, everyone, even you grannies, uh we have gone each one to his own way. With some people, it's pretty gross, like what's been on television with the politicians lately. With others, it's clean, but bad. You know, words, attitudes. We have gone each one to his own way, but God laid on him the sins of us all. And you know, that's why he can actually come into our lives. As we were singing so beautifully earlier about Jesus coming out of the grave. He's alive. He's exalted. He's at the right hand of God Almighty. He is the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And he can lift us up from death and give us life. From sin and give us purity. From shame and set us free. It's a glorious experience. But many people haven't had it. They think following Jesus is just a religion. You know? You do your duty and then go and goof off again. And then come back next Sunday and do your religious thing. And goof off again. And do your whatever. And off you go again. No. When you become a believer, you're a new man. You're a new woman. A new boy or girl. Because When Jesus Christ comes in, it's God invading your life. And the question is, when does that happen and how does it happen? With Stephen Baldwin, it was the Twin Towers shook him to his roots. He thought, I'm left behind and my wife has gone to heaven. And he repented and it wasn't the second coming yet. But he's in the kingdom of God. And now he talks to everybody about the Lord, you know. On television, he has tattoos with Jesus here, Jesus all over the place. The cameras don't know what angle to take. They try to avoid that, but they can't. He he on purpose uh, does that. But you know, it can happen to you too. I was a 12-year-old boy. And I knew that I needed eternal life. I didn't have it. Because my father had died when I was 10 years old. And he was a young fellow, my dad. He seemed old to me, but he was only 34, and the Lord took him home, and he'd opened his heart to Christ when he was 24. He was a young businessman. His father had died when, when my dad was 16, so he had to go work, and he worked, and he had success, but he didn't have eternal life. And this Englishman missionary shows up and begins to pass out New Testaments. And first, my mother gave a heart to the Lord, and she was the organist in the parish church, you know, a Roman Catholic church, which is what we have in Argentina. And she was the organist, and uh, Mr. Rogers came door to door giving away New Testaments. She began to read it one day, and she came to the Book of Matthew, where it says, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God." And my mom told me I was in her womb, as they say. In fact, I was there. I remember. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, she said she got on her knees and said, I'll never see God. I don't have a pure heart. And she began to cry. And then she felt the Holy Spirit. She didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. But she felt the Holy Spirit saying, My daughter, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The parish priest at Mass sometimes would quote that verse. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And my mom realized that Jesus Christ on the cross had taken away her sin. And she felt the voice of the Lord speaking to her. She didn't even know that the Lord spoke to people. Uh, She got up from her knees and said, I'm a child of God, I'm forgiven. So she went to see Mr. Rogers and Mrs. Rogers. And she said, I suppose I should leave the church now. They said, "Oh no, no, no. Keep playing the organ. And tell everybody what Jesus has done for you. They need to know it too. And you know, it was a beautiful experience that. But you know, the first thing that happens when you open your heart to Christ really is that all your sins are gone once and for all and forever because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And from then on, my mom was sure of having eternal life. My dad was a typical Latin guy. They usually do this, Catholic or Protestants. They drive their wife to church and they go for a drink and then come back and pick her up. You know, when Mass is over or when the communion is over, if you're an evangelical. And my dad would do that. Take her, drop us kids off, and go off. But one Sunday, it was a small chapel, by the way. It was half the size of that platform. I mean, small. And... uh, My dad walked in and sat by my mom. I was a baby, so it's all family story, history. And uh, in the middle of the message, as if you suddenly did this, my dad stood up. And he was a quiet guy. He was not a pushy, loud guy. He stood up and he said, right now, I receive Jesus Christ into my heart as my only Savior and Lord. And he sat down. My mom was so excited. She wanted to shout hallelujah. But... It wasn't a Pentecostal church, so you don't do that, you know? She just kept quiet, you know? And uh, she was so embarrassed that he interrupted the preacher that she wanted to dive under the pew, you know? But she didn't. And my dad's life was changed. He was only 24. And with with Mr. Rogers, they decided every summer we're going to go to a different town that doesn't have a Bible-preaching church, and we're going to plant our church. This was way 1934. Mm -hmm. Shows you how old I am. And... uh, They went from place to place. They planted nine churches. But my dad's life was revolutionized. And you know, when you receive Jesus Christ, that's the first thing that hits you for most of us. I've got eternal life. I'm forgiven. My my conscience is clean. I'm washed. I'm a new man. I can look at people in the face. I don't have to wake up and take a strong drink at night to pass out and go to sleep. I have peace with God. And the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 17, one of my favorites, I have about 5,000 favorites. But this one says, God says repeatedly, your sins and evil deeds, I will remember no more. You, You people know your Bible, huh? You must do pretty well, Brother John, huh? Yeah, he told me that the founder of this church was very Bible teaching. But you know, it's an interesting verse. It's fabulous. Memorize it. If no, your sins and evil deeds I will remember no more underline no more in red Satan will sometimes say to you you little hypocrite I know what you did in the Navy when you were out uh, in Italy oh you'll say I remember when you went to Chicago and you did this and this you were a hypocrite you say to Satan I was a hypocrite but I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ now you get out of my life and you know, it's a beautiful thing. Your sins and evil deeds, says the Lord, I will remember no more. No more. Many people carry a load of guilt all their life. And they honestly, I, I love people like that because they're honest. They feel I'm unworthy. And you know what? They're right. They are unworthy. I'm unworthy. And you're unworthy too. I don't know you, but I know you're unworthy. Because the Lord said so. And he says, your sins and evil deeds, I will remember no more. I often say when I speak to men only, your mother-in-law will remember. But the Lord says, I will remember no more. I will remember no more. Yeah. I have nothing against mother-in-law. I'm married to a mother-in-law. Uh-huh. My wife. Yeah. But you know, it is a fact and it's a beautiful fact. It happens on the spot. It's a staggering event. You open your heart to Christ in an honest moment where you say, I am not worthy, O Lord. I deserve to be condemned. But because of the cross. You remember on the cross what happened? The Lord Jesus was hanging on the cross with a thief on each side. They whipped him 39 times, lashes in his back. They spat upon him. The Roman soldiers took off his clothing naked they bowed and mocked him they put a crown of thorns on his head and then when he was crucified the thieves did the same thing and they said if you're the son of God why don't you come down and get us down with you ha 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 and they accused him people walked by and insulted him Jesus didn't say a word except father forgive them they don't know what they're doing and then when it got dark at noon you remember for three hours He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knew why. It was a rhetorical question for our benefit. He did it for us. He abandoned him so that we wouldn't be abandoned. And then one of the thieves suddenly, from mocking our Savior, suddenly had a change of heart. And he says to his buddy on the other side, why are you mocking this man? We are getting what we deserve, but he's done nothing wrong. That's called repentance. And then he turns to our Savior and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom? And if it had been me, I'd have probably said, you dirty rascal. You're a criminal, you're a thief, and now at the last minute... Before you kick the bucket, you want me to forgive you and take you to heaven? No! we'll go where you belong, which is go to hell, you know? But the Lord Jesus didn't say that. He is the savior of the world. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. So he says to him, no insults, nothing. Now, he never went to church. He didn't do communion. He didn't do mass. He wasn't christened. He died within three hours. The thief. But Jesus said to him. I like the old King James. Verily, verily I say unto you. The new ones say. Truly, truly I say to you. Today you will be with me. In paradise. He forgave him. And you know that same forgiveness is offered to you and to me. I got it when I was 12 years old. I wasn't a terrible sinner. Just a bad one. Uh huh. And my counselor said, if you die tonight, Luis, I was 12 years old. It was in the mountains of Argentina. It was beginning to rain, so he was in a hurry to get it done. He says, if you die tonight, are you going to heaven or hell? I said, I'm going to hell. And he said, why? I said, because I've done bad stuff. What bad stuff? I said, well, I swear when we play soccer and I beat on my five sisters. If you had five sisters, you'd probably beat them too. But I I just said, Lord, I, I deserve it. I'm bad. I got a. I saw, especially my temper, because I, I had a bad temper. I got it under control now, but don't ask my wife. But uh, I, the Lord has it under control. I felt bad that I had such a foul temper. And the first thing was, you know, in Spanish, so you wouldn't know it. But uh, the, my counselor said, You're going to hell. But you want to go there? I said, no, I want to go to heaven. He said, you know what you have to do? It was dark. He had a flashlight and his New Testament. And I said, yeah, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved because I've been going to church. He said, no, wait, wait. He went to Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your lips, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So he said, do you believe in your heart? That God raised him from the dead. And I heard the Bible. Yes, I said, I do. He said, will you confess him with your lips? I said, I'm ready. He said, wait. And he did something that I've done many times. He read that passage, putting my name in it. If you, Luis, confess with your lips, Luis, that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart, Luis, that God raised him from the dead. You, Luis... Will be saved. I got it. I really got it. And I hope this morning that you get it too, whether you're here in the auditorium or listening by radio. If you, whatever your name is, confess with your lips, whatever your name is, that Jesus is Lord, your Lord, believing in your heart, whatever your name is, that God raised him from the dead, you, whatever your name is, you shall be saved. Is that a glorious gift of what? this yes, is a glorious gift. And that's why the Englishman said, it is a staggering event. Imagine if you came in here this morning worried, with thoughts in your mind, and what about this, and what about that? And you surrender to Christ. You truly leave this place to go to Sunday dinner, or whatever you do, happy, cheerful, You're a new person. The old is gone, the new has come. But there's a second thing that happens at that moment, which is as glorious, if not more amazing. You know what happens? When you open your heart to Christ, and I'll give you an invitation so you can do it if you've never had that experience. The first thing then is forgiveness. It's all gone, once, for all, forever, buried at the foot of the cross. The second thing that happens on the spot the Holy Spirit of God comes into your life. And that is staggering. You know, the Bible says this. It says, don't you know, First Corinthians chapter 3, let me read it to you. Listen to this. It's amazing, and it's true. And most of us in this room, from what I see watching you, not all of you, but most of you, look like you know what we're we talking about. It says, don't you know, that you yourselves have become God's temple and that the spirit of God now lives in you if anyone destroys God's temple God will destroy him because God's temple is sacred and you are that temple that's why a person changes not because I say I'm going to be a religious crazy in Massachusetts I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to be the holiest man in town. No, it won't work. But when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, He is God. Brothers and sisters and friends, it's true. And we've all experienced it. Who know Jesus Christ? The change comes because when God comes into your life, hey, change is bound to happen. You were empty and now suddenly you are the temple of the living God. To me it's the most amazing truth. The cross is an astonishing thing. But that God would choose to come and live in you as a man. You as a woman. And say I will come into you. And eat with you. And you with me he says. Saint Paul says Christ lives in me. He says in another place. Christ in you the hope of glory. St. Peter says in the second epistle, you have become, listen to this, it's astonishing. You have become partakers of the divine nature. Now think about that. When you receive Christ, at that moment, God himself enters your life. And that's when you begin to change. It doesn't mean you become perfect, but you aim for perfection. And the Holy Spirit empowers you because Jesus said you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's the power of God. And brothers and sisters and ladies and gentlemen. That's what changes your life. Not that you become a religious nut. You got enough of that. You become a new person in Jesus Christ. A joyful person. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this one. Is love. Joy. Peace. Kindness. Goodness. Patience. Two or three more. I forget the last ones. Uh But. The Holy Spirit produces those fruits. And you suddenly say, "Hey, I am happy. How come? The Holy Spirit lives in you. Your sins are forgiven. You're a child of God now. You're the temple of the living God. And you may walk down the streets of this town. And people don't know you from Adam. And you may say, nobody knows me. But I'm a child of God, baby. Uh I've got eternal life. I've got the Holy Spirit. God is my Father, not just a God far away. He hears my prayers. He gives me power to overcome my weaknesses and my addictions. And you know, when a person really comes to Christ, He takes away that there's a a Christian doesn't need to get drunk to be happy. The Holy Spirit makes us happy more than any drink, whatever. You know, you don't make a clown of yourself. Oh, sometimes we do. But uh, you know, the Holy Spirit comes over and takes over. And dear brothers and sisters, that's why the man said, conversion to Christ is a staggering thing. That God himself would come to indwell you. I learned that when I was 25. Now, when I was 12, I had eternal life. But nobody had explained to me that actually I was the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you know, I used to tell boys and girls, because I used to work with children, open your heart and Jesus will come in. And it's true. But I thought it was figurative language until I came to the U.S. and listening to a speaker at our Bible college, he explained, no, 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 it's not a figure of speech. It's really Christ lives in me. I am a temple of God. It seems sacrilegious to say it, but it's in the book. And it's true. And we know it's true. And it's that's why some of your friends, maybe when they were converted, maybe they were too excited and you thought, oh boy, you know, but... It's a great thing to see a man who comes to Christ. He wants to tell everybody because he's found the real thing in Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, they become a little pushy because they want their friends. Friends don't let friends go to hell. So, you know, they want them to be in the kingdom of God. So the thing that will happen if you receive Christ today or if you drifted from the church and you say, oh, God, take me back, take me back. I want to invite you to come back. And to enjoy that kind of a life. So first, all your sins are forgiven once, for all and for ever. Secondly, you're going to walk out of here as the temple of the living God. And that's not sacrilegious, that's reality. The third thing is this: it happens on the spot. You become a child of God, and when you die, you go straight to heaven. Jesus said, "Don't let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. He said, in my Father's house there are many mansions. I like mansions. The new translation said rooms. That sounds like a motel 8. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I I want a mansion. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? This is in John 14. And then he goes on to say, and if I go, no, when I go and prepare a place for you, listen to this one, I'll come again and snatch you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. Is that a glorious future or what? Not, yeah. And you know, I like it when it says in Second Corinthians 5, listen to this, what happens when a believer dies? My dad died when he was 34. I was 10. I was in boarding school. He sent me as punishment to learn English to a boarding school. My grandma called me up and said, go home, your daddy's very sick. And I thought, he must be dying. What would grandma tell me to get on the train, a subway, and another train to get home in Argentina? And when I got there, my dad had just gone to be with the Lord. And my mom told me how it happened. In Argentina, they bring you back to your house if the doctors could do nothing. So he was home in the bed, family surrounding the bed. My dad sat up in bed and he began to sing a song about heaven, a Salvation Army song in Spanish. And clapping his hands, he sang bright crowns up there, bright crowns for you and me, the palm of victory, the palm of victory. And he sang it three times and the galloping fever was killing him. So... His head fell on the pillow and he pointed up to heaven and he said, I'm going to be with Jesus, which is better by far. And a few moments later, my dad went to be with the Lord. And I was 10 years old and I thought, man, that's a way to die. Singing, clapping your hands, quoting the promises of the Bible. That's why I go into all the world trying to get people, everybody come to Jesus and die knowing where you're going. And heaven is our home. And it's real. Now, he may come back before we die, which is what we're all hoping for, you know. I'd rather he come back and take us in the clouds and change our body. The Bible says so "Will will happen. But if we die before he comes back, we go straight to heaven. I love this verse. It says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. When a believer dies, his body is in the casket. It goes in the cemetery. Boy, you have cemeteries around here, huh? Not big ones. I mean, blocks and blocks. Of... One day when Jesus comes, all those who belong to Christ, their graves will open up. Then that's the first resurrection, huh? And they'll all pop out of there with a new body. But they themselves are not in the grave. Their bodies in the grave. They themselves are with Jesus, which is better by far. So your body goes to the grave, but your soul and your spirit... I can see my dad in the crowd in heaven bowing and singing. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Yeah, and one day it'll be our turn. I'm getting old. I hope he comes back soon. I'd rather go soon by his coming than by dying. But ha- however it goes, I'm going to heaven. And the question is, are you going to heaven? Do you have the assurance of eternal life or are you still searching? Do you know for sure that you're a child of God? Or are you still saying, well, I'm not so sure? Then be sure today. Jesus said these words in John 10, 28, and I give you the invitation. I give them eternal life. You shall never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hands. And then to reinforce it, he adds, the Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them, Out of my father's hands. So when you belong to Christ. You know that you have eternal life. That you're a child of God. That heaven is your home. That the past is forgotten. It's buried. It's gone. He will remember it no more. You become a temple of God. A woman filled with the Holy Spirit. A young man. With God living in him. That's why it's a staggering event. Because if anyone is in Christ. And anyone means you. You become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I hope that many of you who have not had that experience at this very moment will say, yes, I want to become a child of God. I want to know my sins are forgiven, that the past is over, it's gone. I'm cleaned. I'm new, I'm a child of God. Heaven is my home. I hope all of you have that experience. And you know, to be sure that you do, Jesus said these words. I stand at your door and knock, he says. If anyone hears my voice, Jesus said this, and opens the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. The decision is yours. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I want to ask you this morning, if you've never made that commitment, Let me lead you in a prayer in which you open your heart to Christ and say, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me. Come in. Give me the assurance of eternal life. So let's all stand for prayer, shall we? Let's stand in the presence of God and let's pray together. And all of you dear friends who are here, if you're here with your wife, why not hold her hand or put your arm around her? If you're alone, well, fold your hands and Close your eyes and let's pray with God Almighty. And if you want to receive Christ, I will lead you phrase by phrase. If you've never prayed this prayer, pray it with me now and invite Jesus Christ into your heart. And remember what he said, I stand at your door and knock. If you heard my voice and open the door, I will come into you. So this is the moment. And if you drifted away from God and you say, I want to come back, will God take me back? Of course he will. So you join us in this prayer too. And those of you who know Jesus, just pray because it's Thanksgiving for what we have in him. So let's pray. I'll lead you phrase by phrase and you pray it out loud if you feel it in your soul. Oh God, my Father. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the cross where he gave his blood. Thank you that he rose from the dead. That Jesus is alive today. Thank you that you forgive me my sins. Cleanse my conscience, O God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And give me the assurance that I am your child. And that heaven is my home. And I will serve you, Lord, all the rest of my life. Until I see you face to face. In Jesus' name. Amen, O God. Amen. Amen. How good to hear so many of us praying to the Savior. How many of you, let me ask you this. How many of you prayed that prayer for the first time in your life and you opened your heart to Christ? Or if you drifted away from the Lord, but this morning you say, I'm coming home. How many more today made that decision? Would you raise your hand? Raise your hand. Let me see if any of you prayed that prayer and opened your heart to Christ this morning. Or you're saying, I'm coming home to the Lord. Any of you? Yes? All right. All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah.